Whence on the soundless roar doth come, when drowseth matter's dreary drum, on shores of bliss om booming breaks, all earth, all heaven, all body shakes. The bumblebee now hums along. Baby Om doth softly sing his song. From Krishna's flute the call is sweet. Tis time the watery god to meet. Chords bound to flesh are broken all. Vibrations burst and meteors fall. The hustling heart, the boasting breath, no more shall cause the yogi's death. The god of fire with fervor sings. Om, om, his joyous harp now rings. Prana, god with power sounds. The wondrous bells, the soul resounds. All nature lies in darkness soft. The star divine is seen aloft. Subconscious dreams have gone to bed. Tis then that one doth hear Ohm's tread. Oh, upward climb the living tree. Hark to the cosmic symphony. From Ohm, the soundless roar from Ohm. The call for light or dark to roam. From Om, the music of the spheres. From Om, the mist of nature's tears. All things of earth and heaven declare. Om, Om, resounding everywhere. From Om, the music of the spheres. From Om, the mist of nature's tears. All things of earth and heaven declare. Om, Om, resounding everywhere. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for the Om. It's a beautiful version of that song. This is Anaya Swami panel. I'm Ananta. This is Bharat. This is Asha. We're going to talk about techniques for inner transformation. I'm going to talk about right attitudes. Bharat's going to talk about meditation. And Asha's going to talk about discipleship.
Um, when we talk about attitude, when we think about attitude, we go to the great ones. Sister Gyanamata, letter to one of the sisters. If I were to give you the gift that I would like best of all to offer you, it would be the right attitude toward God and Guru, toward life, toward your work, toward the others of your group. But the best gifts cannot be purchased and given. The gifts and graces of the soul must be acquired by patient daily practice. All will surely be yours in time. For if you do not obtain them in the position to which God has called you, where in all the world will they be found? Sister has a way, doesn't she? <laughs> That's the end of my talk. <laughs> it's the essence of the attitude of the disciple. And we begin with the realization that where we are in this incarnation, in this job, with this married person <laughs> that we are married to, <laughs> With these neighbors, with this job, this situation, that the whole universe has conspired to put us here for our liberation. That is a primary attitude of the disciple. It's sort of an aspect of surrender, but it's the reality that from time immemorial, this progression, this day of Brahma has gotten us right here and we are positioned perfectly for self-realization. We're set. We've got the guru. <laughs> We've got the teachings. We came to Spiritual Renewal Week. We are totally ready to be liberated. But it is a constant struggle to keep our attitude at that place. And when we were, Jyotish and Davy were talking the other day, they were talking about the need to keep our consciousness here at the point between the eyebrows. And that's because the attitude or the point of perspective from which we need to see the world needs to be from the soul perspective. If we look at the world from an egoic point of view, what's in it for me? Uh, how much money can I accrue in an 80-year span? Uh, how much power can I exert? We cut off that flow of divine grace and unfortunately, we cut off the flow of consciousness that connects us to the divine. Our attitude must be centered in the realization that God is within us, that God permeates the universe, that God has incarnated in six billion forms currently and counting, that the universe is an expression of divine joy. And that point of consciousness is only touched at the point between the eyebrows. That's why we need to see the world from the point between the eyebrows, from that soul sense. There's a wonderful quote in the Gita, to him who overcomes the carping spirit, I reveal wisdom divine. Uh, our perspective, our attitude must be one of open-hearted reception to the reality that everything around us is God. And we need to separate the maya 
from the light. But the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. We all know that. We, our attitude must be one of openness. In the play last night, we uh, personify the different attitudes. The good guys are Lord Christar and the hermit. <laughs> the bad guys are Kovar and the cynical mind and that cynical humor and all those things, which is only a testament to how good actors those people are because the least cynical person in the world is Sudarshan. <laughs> he, he is, it's anyway, a wonderful job by all the players, but you could just see in the play the attitudes. And every time Kristar said something, you knew he was right. And every time uh, Lord Kovar said something, you knew it was, Ooh, but don't we have the little Kovar attitudes hiding in the background every once in a while? Why are we doing this? You know, why, 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 why? There's always kind of lurking there, and we've got to get rid of the carping spirit because if we don't, then we block out the wonder and the beauty and the awesome nature of this universe and the all-pervading love of Divine Mother coming at us constantly. I'm always reminding myself, God is omnipresent. Now, if God is omnipresent, then whatever is in front of me is some aspect of God. It's a little shaded to show the light. It's a little this to show the beauty. It's a little that to show the grace. It's a little something that's trying to shroud more strongly or less strongly the constant reality that we are children of the Divine Mother, every one of us, that every act is a play of karma, that everything that happens to us is an opportunity, as Sister said, for us to be liberated. It's there and it's waiting. And we need to be more and more aware of how beautiful this world is when animated by the light of God and how totally unfulfilling it is when not animated by the love of God. I'll tell you a story that happened to Marie and I some years ago now. But we were in the um, Redwood National Forest, which is in Humboldt County, California, and is the home of the tallest trees in the world. Um, specifically, there's a trail there called the James Irwin Trail. If you get a chance, you should go there. It is a cathedral of 300 foot tall plus redwood trees. It is average age 1,000 to 3,000 years old. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful hike. In a, in a fully mature redwood forest, this is a virgin redwood forest, the trees were never cut. Uh, the um, trail winds through and the trees are far, far taller than these posts or trees around us, but they just create an incredible vibration of a timeless peace. Uh, trees standing firm hold the secret to inner power. So Marie and I were taking a long hike through the, the woods, and as the more we walked, and we we're just aware of the uh, essentially, you have mostly redwood trees. You have a few ferns, and, but it's just, a, it's a, just a glorious environment. We were hiking along and thinking of the masters, and we got into this uh, space of thinking about all the human history 
that had occurred while these trees were growing. So we were with these trees and we were talking to them and we were listening to them and we were chanting to them and they were uh, whispering to us and it was very, very peaceful, very peaceful place. We started thinking about all the events in human history, like the birth of Krishna when these trees were little, <laughs> and then Moses and, and that whole thing, and then <laughs> the Buddha, and then Jesus, and, and all these events, William the Conqueror, William the Conqueror only a thousand years ago or so, not, not long, in, in terms of these trees, because these trees had this long, timeless rhythm. And we stopped to have our lunch, and we were sitting there eating our sandwich, and we heard this man coming up the trail. <sighs> Hi. Oh, hello. <laughs> the signs here are wrong. This is, it's not 3.5 miles to the headquarters. The rangers are just putting up bad signs, and you know, it's really, it's frustrating. And he stormed off. And <laughs> have a nice day. <laughs> I think a lot of times we're that man <laughs> in the forest of the masters, in the presence of Babaji, Lahiri Moshai, Swami Sri Teshwar, Paramahansa Yogananda, Swami Kriyananda at the play last night. We're in the presence of the great ones, and our attitude is lacking. <laughs> we're preoccupied by whether the rangers, he was right, the, the signs were all wrong. <laughs> and it, it was many more miles than they said it was. But it didn't really matter <laughs> to the trees. <laughs> they didn't even know where headquarters was. <laughs> it's only been there like a hundred years. It's nothing. No problem. Our attitude is of primary importance. I loved Anandi's reference to her nephew and the little nephew or grand nephew and that consciousness of wow because we absolutely need it. We need to be aware of giant redwood trees, of great masters, of the love and courage and kindness of our fellow disciples, of the majority of people on this planet who are aspiring to make this world a better place. And we need to focus on that as disciples, and we need to realize that it all comes from God and we need to hold a sense of awe and wonder. And if we don't, if we get to be like this hiker, this frustrated hiker, we need to sit down by the trail and take a deep breath and go hug a tree. <laughs> because they've been there long before me, you, or any of our friends, and they're going to be there long after you, me, or any of our friends. It's a long rhythm of joy. It is a timeless rhythm. And a disciple must keep that sense of wow. I must say that in the 60s, we pronounced it, wow. <laughs> but it was the same feeling, man. <laughs> it was beautiful. It is beautiful. If we don't keep our hearts open like the little children, we miss it all. We miss everything. And it's not to be missed. It is beyond 
imagination of expectancy. You can't imagine how beautiful it is until you realize it. And that is why the masters are so enthusiastic that we come forward and get out of the mire of attachment and adjust our attitude to look up and to concentrate at the point between the eyebrows and to see and to feel and to know that we are a part of all that is. It does, as Sister said, take daily practice. It does take patience. I wish, as Sister does, that I could give it to you just right off the bat, but I can't. And I can't because if I gave it to you, you wouldn't understand it. You have to earn it for yourself. And you are earning it for yourselves because you came here. You're here. We're meditating together. We're seeking the truth. We're watching the peace treaty. And I imagine if worldly people watch the peace treaty, they wonder why the guys were sent out on the boat. <laughs> they were the heroes, weren't they? Aren't they up for re-election? <laughs> it's the other way around. That Christar and the hermit and Gazella represent that part of us which dances this dance with beauty, which realizes how sacred every moment is. And we're here now with each other in God. That is the greatest blessing in the world. This is the best day we've ever had. And tomorrow will be better. We'll have Kriya tomorrow. <laughs> An Indian banquet <laughs> and Sunday service. And it just gets better. Because when the veils of separation are parted, you can't close them again. They, as Master said, the honey of self-realization, once it's tasted, makes all worldly pleasures taste like stale cheese. <laughs> that is the attitude that we have to hold, that we are in the presence of the great masters, that you are a great master, waking up, and later on, you'll tell the stories about when you weren't awakened fully and share with other brothers and sisters who are following close along your heels towards liberation. That's always been the attitude that Swamiji has had. Come along with us. Come gather round. We'll sing the blues away. Wind on a hill sounds lonely if you're sad, free if you're free, cheerful if you're glad. The entire world echoes the feelings of your own heart. And so our attitude must be one of purity and opening our heart. In the purification ceremony, it says, open your heart to me and I will enter and take charge of your life. It's just that simple. Attitude is everything. If we keep our hearts open, if we keep the wow consciousness, if we keep our love and our kindness ready to receive, the masters will flood us that's the funny thing, isn't it? That the masters don't hide the truth, that it's offered freely. Knock and it shall be opened. Seek, you shall find. It's all given away for absolutely nothing. But how few keep the heart open and have the attitude of receptivity. And yet that's all you need. Well, you do need two more things, meditation and discipleship. <laughs> so let's talk about that. But master said, God watches the heart. Don't count the places that you fell down. Don't count the mistakes. Don't dwell on the mistakes. But let those go. 
Those are in the past. The past doesn't matter. Here, now, and love. That's all there is. Keep that attitude. An affirmation can help. So let's do an affirmation. My outer life is a reflection of my inner thoughts. Filled with the joy of God. I express his joy and harmony in everything I do. My outer life is a reflection of my inner thoughts. Filled with the joy of God. I express his joy and harmony in everything I do. Now just silently but with deep concentration, feel this level of your own consciousness. My outer life is a reflection of my inner thoughts. Filled with the joy of God, I express his joy and harmony in everything I do.